Welcome to episode 28 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 22nd of July 2022. My name is Jack Chambers-Ward, I am your host as usual, and this week I am once again joined by Mr. Mark Williams-Cook. Hello Mark. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Slight clicky jaw, just been doing my uh, podcast warm-ups. Is that Good warm-ups? Good to go. I don't know if yeah. that's warm-ups. <laughs> well, Mark and I have a few things to talk about this week. We will be talking about the key factors in getting multi-image thumbnails on your SERPs. Google fights back against one-star review scammers. Google Search Console has a new video indexing report. And Google has started automatically upgrading smart shopping campaigns to Performance Max. Search for Canada is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com slash SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, href lang validator, checking out your site's visibility index, or their Google update tracker. And we will actually be talking about some index watch next week with my guest, Annie Mai Hodge. We'll be talking about TikTok, and that is very relevant to index watch at the moment. So sorry, Mark, I'm not having you on to talk about TikTok. <laughs> It's probably for the best. Yes. I could probably say everything I know about TikTok in about four and a half minutes. I, be- I believe to quote you, you installed it for about five minutes the other day and then uninstalled it again. Yeah, I, well, I felt like I had to look at it again to make sure it was still what I had envisaged and it was. So I removed it from my phone. That's fair. Well, I will have a TikTok expert on next week. Annie My Hodge will be joining me. We'll be talking about how people are using TikTok as a search engine, how that relates to how Google is handling things. We've had comments from Google executives about that whole thing as well. It's a big topic. It's a very hot topic in SEO at the moment. And I'll be talking about that with my guest, Annie My Hodge, all next week. And I would like to start with a charity piece. So please, kind listeners, give me some of your time to talk to you about charity. Do not skip ahead. A thing we do at Canda every year, we tend to nominate a specific charity to work with. And in 2022, we have been working with a local charity called Break, who are a fantastic children's charity who primarily provides children's homes so this is a home for children and young people who can't live with their family they provide fostering services so obviously getting children into homes who can't live with their birth families and they offer residential short breaks so that's kind of like respite care for disabled children uh, for their families so they can have a positive experience away from home absolutely fantastic fantastic um, charity and This month in July, Kanda has been participating in a 1,000 mile challenge. So there are around a dozen of us in the office who in the month of July have been walking slash running a total together of a 1,000 miles, which will metaphorically take us all the way from Norwich to Berlin and back again. So quite a distance and actually it it's quite a distance actually personally I realized to walk when when I you know I I go jogging myself but considering I mainly walk to my car drive to work 
<laughs> and then go for runs is actually a significant extra amount of traveling. And if all of that <laughs> isn't enough, my very musically talented <laughs> host, Jack, has also produced this.
I think the listeners are probably questioning you calling me musically talented now, but yeah. I think it's a <laughs> sterling effort. Um, and if you can, I would very, very much appreciate, and I'm sure everyone at Break would, if you do want to donate to this, we're just trying to raise a thousand pounds in July for Break with this um, particular effort. If you check out our, sh- our show notes, search.withcanda.co.uk, there will be a link to the donation page and from the bottom of our heart, we thank you if you could donate a little bit to that. So let's dive into some, uh, touch on a bit of e-commerce stuff, which we do kind of touch on from, from every now and then. But this is a really interesting piece from Brody Clark, who I think is fantastic, basically consistently fantastic with all the advice he gives. Uh, really, really interesting Twitter follow as well. I recommend you follow him. That's Brody SEO on Twitter. Big so, fan. Of course, Big fan. links in the show notes as always, as you know. But yeah, we'll talk about the nature of image thumbnails essentially for your product, specifically thinking about e-commerce here. And this is kind of the approach Brody took is he dived into doing some research and some comparisons of the different types of image thumbnails you can get with your products from your shopping feeds and things like that, and how you can have a bit more control over that, and specifically how to achieve that kind of coveted multi-image thumbnail for a product of yours. And Brody does a fantastic job of diving into essentially what are factors that can contribute towards this and your ability and your products and your site being able to achieve this multi-image thumbnail for your products and then things that you might think might be a factor but actually aren't as well, which I thought was particularly interesting because that is the thing we really, really bump into with SEO, as we know, is is it a ranking factor? Is it not a ranking factor? Did this thing actually contribute to this thing or not? Are you controlling this element by doing or changing this? Well, Brody has done the work for you and it's a really fantastic article from Brody talking about how essentially what works what doesn't and with screenshots and real life examples going through the kind of seven top tips for getting a multi-image thumbnail in order of importance as well which i very much appreciate i like the boldness there because a lot of people be like oh yeah just you know but brody's gone in number one image relevance that makes sense how relevant it is to your product image quality again makes sense alt text we know alt text is important, especially with things like accessibility and stuff like that. So it's nice to see it's actually influencing the multi-image thumbnail here as well. Product title, of course, that's going to be an important factor. The number of relevant images, again, that makes sense. The order of appearance as well. And the background contrast, again, kind of a factor of accessibility there as well. So it's nice to see a few different factors of accessibility in there that I think are kind of things you wouldn't necessarily think would actually help promote this kind of thing but it really shows that google is taking those into account and two things that Brody highlights that are not influencing this multi-image thumbnail are structured data so you would hope that maybe oh i'll put some structured data in and i'll be able to control what has a multi-image and what doesn't not the case at least according to Brody's research and also the cms you're using does not influence this one way or the other as well I think there's some interesting things here. So image quality um, is, I think, often overlooked because there's a lot of chatter about SEO, about performance and image compression and the image must be small, the image must be small. When we know as users, especially in certain types, like jewelry is a really great example, Mm -hmm. you want high quality 
imagery. And actually, as a casual anecdotal observation, using Google Images as well, you I tend to find fewer very low quality images now cropping up in Google search. Google specifically as well in several of their guidelines for things like Discover specifically list that you need to include high res imagery if you want to be visible yeah. on there as well. I remember I speaking of Google Images there. I remember I always used to click the little HD button as an option, and now I don't really need to. You think you're totally right, Mark? You, you've, we've seen over the last couple of years of that now prioritizing those high res images, so they're kind of the default now, which is lovely. As you, like you said, as a user, that makes my life a lot easier if I'm searching for a product or if I need to download an image for something or I need a logo for whatever it is. Finding a high-res version of it straight away is always useful. Bundled in with all this as well, we've spoken before about uh, Google's like multimodal search when you're searching by pictures. I think this is going to be advantageous as well. Another reason to use your own photography, different angles, high-quality photography, not just taking stock photography don't of use products. stock images we yeah. know we, we've known this for a while please 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 don't use stock images if you're able to do your own photography if you're if you have you know someone on staff or a designer or whatever it is make your images unique and that is a big big factor there as well the other thing Brody mentions in this um, piece of work he's done as well is about the accessibility of the images with javascript and i found that quite interesting so it's always something i recommend people do when they're checking out sites, auditing them, which is just disabling JavaScript in their browser and continuing to click around the site and see what what's broken and what's accessible. And this interested me because I was auditing a site a couple of weeks ago where um, I was looking through their search console and I noticed they had, um, they had video traffic coming to their site and then it just nosedived down to zero. And this was due to um, their kind of carousel of images and videos, if you like, on each product required JavaScript to work. Right, right. And they had some dynamic rendering where they had another version for search engines and that actually broke how some of the images and videos worked. And this was diagnosed because I noticed the videos vanished. So that had affected, again, their visibility um, of those images. So it's not always enough to just, again, you know, look with your default user agent with JavaScript on and be like, okay, well, the images are there. You need to make sure that Google can find them. And lastly, the I'm pleased Brody included. I mean, it's probably obvious to people who have been working in SEO quite a while that, you know, the content management system doesn't have a direct impact. I'm pleased he said it because, you, you know, I still hear people saying, oh, you know, a WordPress site is more SEO or Google prefers WordPress sites yeah, or something yeah. like that. I mean, Google doesn't, care it's just how they <laughs> present in the front end like you know i can i can ruin almost any cms you give me with a bad you know with a bad front end and a bad <laughs> styling and a bad theme or whatever you want to call it but yeah really helpful um research i suggest you check it out if you're working in ecom images is a whole area that i like to deep dive into in terms of optimization and you know we discussed it before a lot of people actually do their shopping via images as well. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to some scamming stuff. I know we've talked about this a couple of times already. We're talking about spam stuff. We've talked about some scamming, some blackmailing, some threats, all that kind of stuff. And a big hat tip to Sajo George and the TLDR newsletter. We've said it a couple of times on the show before. Sajo George is the man, the TLDR 
newsletter is one of the best newsletters for digital marketing. So I highly recommend you go and subscribe to that. And this is exactly where I got this information from. Basically, it's a two-part thing where we're talking about the kind of extortion, essentially, of people leaving one-star reviews, basically barraging a particular business or restaurants in particular, in this case, with one-star reviews. And then the owners of that business receive an apologetic email asking for a $75 Google gift card, like for the Google Play Store, basically, to then say, oh, we'll stop leaving one-star reviews if you give us money. So super dodgy, super illegal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, happened to quite a few businesses. I know um, San Francisco and New York, like these really big cities where they have these big like Michelin star high profile restaurants were getting targeted by this kind of thing. So that happened quite a lot. And now on the other side of things, we're now seeing small businesses and small restaurants being threatened for this as well and blackmailing there as well. And Google have actually given a statement how you can kind of report this through your Google business profile and all this kind of stuff. So really, really good work. Finally getting around to sorting out a lot of this scam stuff. Here is the quote from Cara from Google about their policies and their, all their updates and how we're kind of fighting back against scam targeting of businesses on Google here. We've recently become aware of scam targeting businesses on Google with the threat of one-star reviews unless they send money via gift cards. Our policies clearly state reviews must be based on real experiences and our teams are working around the clock to thwart these attacks, remove fraudulent reviews and put protections on business profiles that may have been affected. If your business is being targeted by these scammers, please do not pay them. Instead, please flag the reviews. She says here, there's a link in the show notes, as you know, or reach out to Google support via the help center so that our team can review and remove policy violating content. If you haven't yet claimed your business profile, you can do so here and still proceed with this process. You can also learn more about how our review moderation systems work to ensure Google reviews remain helpful and authentic. So they're kind of giving you an option there. If you have been affected by this, and like I said, I know it's now targeting smaller businesses and smaller restaurants. So if you are one of the ones that has been affected, there is now a way you can report this through the Google Business Profile Help Center and actually get this stuff taken down. Because I know businesses fighting back against negative reviews has been very controversial in the past and very difficult in the past. It's very, very difficult to prove or disprove negative reviews sometimes. Some people just have vendettas against certain people and it's not necessarily business related. But yeah, this is a clear indication of it actually working to fight back against spam, which is nice. Yeah, it's something um, I've advised companies on before, which is where they've had negative reviews from people they don't think have been clients or customers. And because Google doesn't have a real name policy on the reviews, it's basically, yeah, sorry, they're just going to have to stay. So a lot of these companies have just had to reply with, you know, we don't have any record kind of of this um, contact us, which kind of seems natural, but obviously isn't a great thing, isn't a great look, um, especially if you're being bombarded by them. And interestingly, I don't know if, if you had seen, Jack, what's happened with Glassdoor and the reviews that have been left oh, there yeah, recently. Yeah. So for those that haven't heard, I'll try and get a link um, in the, the show notes so a New Zealand court has found that or has ordered Glassdoor, I believe, to hand over the identity or the contact details, at least they have, of people who left negative reviews of a company they worked at. So despite Glassdoor saying, obviously, that, you know, you can leave a review anonymously when they are ordered by 
you know the law and the country they're operating in to 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 give over that information they they obviously have to and this is come as quite a surprise that they've won this at this stage at least i don't know if glassdoor can appeal or or whatever but it looks like yeah they're going to have to hand over the identities of the people who have left these um reviews because in new zealand um the kind of it's an opinion thing doesn't have an automatic defense like it does in in other countries mm. so it does make me wonder as well could that potentially apply to things like like google reviews where people have left negative google reviews and you know if they're in new zealand can they then push to actually get the identity of those people because you know in the uk at least it is literally illegal to leave fake damaging reviews about yes. businesses yeah. but you know if it's done under the cloak of an anonymity there's not a lot that anyone can do yeah it's an interesting thing isn't it going back to we've talked about privacy so much with google recently and now we're seeing it kind of swinging back around and the the walls of anonymity are being broken down here as well it's very interesting like you said moving from you know what we understand as sort of like uk law and european law and then going out to what happens in the us or what happens in other parts of the world in this case as you said mark in new zealand different rules apply there's very different privacy laws and very different uh, regulations for things like libel and all this kind of stuff that can get you in a lot of trouble if you don't know what you're doing and if you're doing something dodgy as well and trying to scam people you can get in a lot of trouble or even if you're just leaving negative reviews you think you can get away with it and you can't so yeah very interesting stuff as we said links in the show notes for all that stuff at search.withcanda.co.uk There is another new report now available in Google Search Console. Hurrah! Nice. So taking us, because we are still in um, in my old age view of SEO, the quote-unquote new version of Google Search Console, which <laughs> I guess even now I'm just calling Search Console. They've added a video indexing report, which is very nice timing, actually, because I obviously just earlier in the show was talking about diagnosing issues on a client site to do with video and the way I had to go about that was hmm we had video traffic and then it's very suspiciously nosedived to basically zero therefore there must be some kind of problem with the video indexing and of course we had to go through a manual check looking at the site you know with different user agents and with and without JavaScript to identify the issue there. So what this is is um, video indexing report if Google detects videos on your site, you will get a video indexing report appear on the left navigation bar in the coverage section. But if Google has not detected a video on your website, you won't see the report. It's a bit like how the structured data um, stuff doesn't appear if it doesn't detect it. So if you're expecting, if you have video on your site and you, <laughs> and you don't see it, that's a, that's a kind of flag if you like to begin yeah. with. But if it started to detect video on your site, it can now give you more granular detail about why that video hasn't been indexed. So whether it's problems with the thumbnails, whether it's a non-supported video type, it can, it can actually then let you hone in on this. So it will make that job of actually identifying the issues a lot easier um, and make, again, like monitoring a lot easier. So that's available um, now. It's being rolled out now in Google um, Search Console. Really helpful, again, for e-com sites if you've got videos of products and everything and you want to keep um, 
uh, your finger on the pulse of if they're showing and indexing and ranking. So yeah, video indexing report live now, Google Search Console, go and check it out. going to finish up on some ppc news back on some ppc I, talk, I talked a lot about ppc last week but you weren't here mark so. oh okay i was gonna say it's <laughs> been so long since we've talked about ppc um and i do like a bit of ppc news but this um this was brought to my attention because before i even got to work today i had a text message or whatsapp message from one of my friends who works as a uh, freelancer doing ppc and they text me in the morning and said so Google just automatically, without warning, deleted my smart shopping campaign and replaced it with a Performance Max one. Cool, <laughs> was their message. Um, and I'd, I had actually missed this. So we've, I think we've, we've mentioned Performance Max before on the show. Um, it's obviously a new campaign type from Google, very, very highly automated. Did talk about it with Alice last week as well. So yeah, if you want to dive into performance max from a ppc side plenty to complain about basically <laughs> what i understand from everybody i talk to in ppc so the details of this and there is a kind of well there's an announcement from google and there's of course a summary article on search engine land which we'll link to but essentially for most advertisers this this is something that's going to happen that google is rolling out they call it upgrading um so you're being upgraded to these pmax accounts and Google apparently will send a notification about two to three weeks before the updates are um, <laughs> are implemented. So whether um, this friend of mine just missed the update or whether there are some bugs, um, <laughs> I won't be the judge on that. But I mean, you know, don't blame the user. Obviously, it wasn't clear enough um, that that was going to happen to their campaign because it did take them by surprise. You would think it would be big red flashing warning lights and stuff, wouldn't you, if they're changing something without your consent, essentially. Exactly. So the only reprieve I think you're going to have on this um, that I could find was where there are some smart shopping campaigns that are using features like vehicle ads. These won't be completed until early next year, so 2023. Uh, Search Engine Land did actually cover the learning and history concerns um, insofar as Google says when your campaigns go through this process of self-upgrading or if you um, use the tool to upgrade them, I'll mention that in a second, um, the learnings from previous smart shopping campaigns can be carried over to the Pmax campaigns to maintain consistent performance because this is one of the um, downsides um, of Google automation and machine learning stuff, which is, you know, um, put crap in, get crap out, basically. <laughs> um, and certainly from the, you know, from the outset, if you have a human managing something, they can apply their experience, knowledge, common sense, human understanding to a campaign to get it off to a good start. Machines, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, if they don't have the data, the results are going to be bad. Yeah. And I've had some very interesting conversations with Google ads reps where their kind of response has been, it just needs to go through this learning process. Don't sort of change anything. It will get better. Mm. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it actually doesn't. Um, but yeah, automatic updates aren't great news if they kind of catch you by surprise. Um, there is a one-click upgrade tool available for this conversion. So it's going to happen. 
So I would recommend if you haven't, it's better that you take that leap, you're prepared for it, you communicate those changes, you can mitigate any kind of risk by, by doing that rather than getting caught off the hop. So that is happening if you're running Google Smart Shopping campaigns, they are being deleted and replaced or to use Google's terms, upgraded mm. uh, to Pmax campaigns. So sticking with the ad side of things, last tiny little bit for us here, which is actually included in some uh, Google information here, official documentation, just casually dropped in. And then we thought, hold on a minute. Is that a thing that, that's happening now? That you, you can add automated voiceover to your YouTube ads. And it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read this headline um, from, the again, the TLDR news after I saw this, which was just, give every video ad like an automatic voiceover. I was like, what? And yeah, it's a thing. And people like Sony are doing it. Yeah, so here's the example from Sony about their Sony Bravia XR TV. The Sony Bravia XR TV is the world's first TV with a cognitive processor. It has the power to think like the human brain and truly understand how you see and experience the world. Making every picture breathe, the TV brings you closer to reality surrounding you with the most immersive sound. The Sony Bravia XR TV series. I think you'll all agree, if you're a long-term listener, you, you heard, I don't know, a couple of months ago now, where we generated voiceover stuff ourselves. We did a fake SEO horoscope thing with you typing it into GPT-3 mark, and then I put it through Descript, which is a basically you can use the overdub feature and create a voiceover thing. And we had the movie guy voice doing our intro, and then a nice, like, a lady called Ruth, an AI bot called Ruth, doing our horoscopes at the end of the episode. It sounds like a hundred times better than this thing. This is shit. <laughs> this is actually shit. So... I couldn't stop laughing when I listened to this because I'd built myself up. I was, you know, I've been exposed to it. I've been playing around with the, like, the Dolly image gym generation recently, been seeing all the GBT3 stuff. And I was like, and, you know, because Google's description says the voiceovers are near human quality <laughs> and optimized for advertising. I was like, this is going to be so good. I love that you've gone into voiceover mode there as well. Well, they can't. I know, yeah. Because it's the most soulless, monotonous... <laughs> robotic. Just robotic yeah. shite that I've heard. <laughs> and the fact that, that the Sony seems so happy about it. Yeah. So Sony were like, prior to the av availability of Google's voiceover feature... Half our creative did not feature voiceover. Good if it sounds like that, because it's a joke. I could have done it. First of all, I could have done I've done voiceover work myself. Sony, if you're listening, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, I could have done it auto-generating stuff on my laptop. Basically for free. Descript is free, by the way. I don't need anything else. Just there's no excuse. Let's hear like, it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Here, here's my version of this with uh, Don from, as I said, the movie guy voice from Descript. And I'll also give you Ethan from Descript as well, which is a much more kind of friendlier kind of tone. Perhaps more appropriate, but 
Hopefully you can notice the difference, listeners, because I think it's much, much better. The Sony Bravia XR TV is the world's first TV with a cognitive processor. It has the power to think like the human brain and truly understand how you see and experience the world, making every picture breathe. The TV brings you closer to reality, surrounding you with the most immersive sound. The Sony Bravia XR TV series. The Sony Bravia XR TV is the world's first TV with a cognitive processor. It has the power to think like the human brain and truly understand how you see and experience the world, making every picture breathe. The TV brings you closer to reality, surrounding you with the most immersive sound. The Sony Bravia XR TV series. Now I know you haven't, as Google has, quote, partnered with copywriters and advertising professionals to identify common voiceover styles across a variety of industry verticals and brand personas and then modeled those styles on 5,000 YouTube ads to develop seven different voices. But that was better. That was honestly better than what I heard from Google. I've got, let me just check, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine stock voices built into Descript here. Which, uh, again, this is not me being like, oh, look at me with my cool technology. Descript have done an amazing job at this and Descript have like pushed the boundaries of how voiceover works and this technology, you can just type something straight into Descript and it will read it out for you as if it's voiceover. They also do the other side and they have some of the best transcription software. So it's all kind of working together. Credit to Descript and discredit to Google and whatever the hell they're doing with this crap where it's like not for a second did I believe that it wasn't auto-generated speech-to-text nonsense. Like it has such a... I was transcribing it earlier so I could put it into Descript and actually get it working properly. And I struggled to work out where which sentence ends and another begins there's that weird pause so there's the the sony bravia xr tv is the world's first tv with a cognitive processor like who cares first of all like okay sure i've got i've got other <laughs> issues with the script um but we'll leave that you know it has the power to think like the human brain and truly understand how you see and experience the world exactly and then, what i want my tv to and do. then a separate sentence making every picture breathe okay that's marketing waffle nonsense. Okay. I was thinking last night when I was watching Netflix, I wish my screen would breathe a bit more. Do you wish the, the upside down in Stranger Things was breathing a bit more? <laughs> the TV brings you closer to reality. Well, it doesn't though, does it? Like, you're looking at a screen. <laughs> I feel we're quite opinionated on this one, but I honestly feel like Google's trying to gaslight me here by being like, <laughs> it's really good. And I'm like sitting here questioning my reality and then refocusing and being like, it's not. And it's not just it's it's not really good. It's not even okay. Yeah. It's worse than free stuff. Like and I'm very like You can so there are websites you can auto generate speech to text stuff. I did this, I um was messaging my wife on WhatsApp, but translating it into like celebrity voices and stuff on a website. It's a bit rubbish, but you you understand who it is. Like, oh, it sounds like Drake or it sounds like Beyonce or The Weeknd and all this kind of stuff. Those kind of like auto-tuned rappers and stuff, it works really well for because they kind of sound robotic. That, the, a free website that you just type into is better than this. So interesting question based on this, right? How much do I charge for voiceovers? Excellent <laughs> question, Mike. <laughs> Sony. <laughs> so interesting question based on this I have, right? So if we are not using voiceovers on uh, video assets because of like resourcing time issues, whatever, and this gives us the ability to do so, okay, we, we'll accept that. And we'll accept, you know, 
our subjective opinion on we don't think it's that great, fine. Now, what would we do as marketers if actually the response, the reaction, however we're measuring the, um, you know, the impact of those videos, the KPIs, is improved because we've used this? Now, again, like Google Ads, it, by its nature, has always been a very performance-driven channel and I've always been very pragmatic in my approach to this type of marketing of if it works if numbers are better do it I don't kind of care yeah however if it's where a percentage of your customers are like laughing at your brand <laughs> because your advert sounds so ridiculous is there a hidden cost to this? that's that's very interesting like negative marketing almost where you like yeah the opposite of brand awareness. So you think like, oh God, Sony's doing a thing again. And Sony are a weird company in general. They're very like technology forward and then very, very backwards in many ways. They're rooted in weird like business traditions and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, what they actually claim to have some data here from Google claim to have the data from Sony here. And this is the example. The Sony team selected a voiceover for their 15 and 30 second video ads and using video experiments proved that the voiceover ad drove 25% higher ad recall and 50% lower cost per lifted user than the original asset with background music alone. So yeah, this is the, this is the point. There's but the data, right? This, this is the same argument that I have though with people who, for instance, do cold emailing. So the conversation I've had is, you know, I get cold email and it's bad and it, it annoys me, it irritates me, right? Yep. And to the point where when I get them, and especially when people follow up, I'm of the opinion, like, I'm not going to do business with you because I don't like how you're going about this because obviously they've just bought my email from somewhere and like spamming me. The example you always give is the people emailing, cold emailing you about lead generation tools, which I absolutely love. Need to generate more leads? I'm cold emailing you. It's like... <laughs> Why aren't you using your lead generation tool to get more leads then, huh? So the argument that these people have, though, is, well, it works because, you know, I emailed these 5,000 people, whatever, and we got, you know, 20 responses, 10 leads, two bits of new business. And I'm like, fine. But what you're not measuring is the people like me who you've alienated now, who may have done business with you if we had interacted through another channel. And that was kind of my thinking about this from, you know, if, is it going to alienate some people where they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is bad. Sony's meant to be like this high-end audio-visual technology company and I'm seeing this kind of ad. Ooh. But then, you know, the general, hey, we're, how we're measuring uplift and recall is higher. It's like, is, okay, recall's higher. But is it positive recall? Or is it like, <laughs> hey, did you see that Sony ad? Oh my God, did you hear that terrible voice? Oh, wow, what an idiot. Wow. What a Sony, what a Sony thinking. Yeah, maybe. And just... Because, yeah, ad recall is a weird measurement as well. It's just one of those kind of focus group things where it's like, did you remember it two weeks later? I'm like, well, yeah, it was part of your focus group. Why wouldn't I remember that? Like, th there's so many different facts in that. Ad recall isn't necessarily a good thing. You're totally right, Mark, where they're using it as this kind of... I wonder if it's pick and choosing the data, basically. And they had a bunch of people being like, this sounds terrible, but they don't want to publish. 80% of the people we asked said it was terrible. But 25% they said that, you know, 25% more said they remembered it. And I was like, okay, sure. Well, we've been over this a couple of times with Microsoft and Google when they introduced new, especially search, paid search features where the kind of case study of, oh, the people that did this oh, got yeah. like 300% more conversions. Yeah. And it's like, well, 
you know, no, everyone knows it's a bit like when you buy a car and it tells you, you know, how many miles it does on the tank. Everyone knows in the real world, it's not going to be <laughs> that effect, but it's there. It's live. Have a play with it. Um, you know, experiment. Yeah. You can access, access it directly on your asset library in Google ads. So if you want to play around with it and test it and stuff, like I said, there are multiple different voices to choose from. So maybe this is just a weird, bad example that Sony have picked for whatever reason. But yeah, if you are running for YouTube ads through Google Ads, you can play around with that sort of stuff and try out some new voiceovers. Or if you need a voiceover person, hire us. We're, we're podcasters. We, we talk. It's fine. So that's all the time we have for this week. We've covered a bit of SEO, a bit of PPC, a bit of everything. And I will be back next week, as I mentioned, talking about TikTok and basically diving into TikTok more than we have done on the show before. We've touched on it a couple of times, we've scratched the surface, but I'm looking forward to my conversation with Annie Mai and really diving into it from somebody who is way more tuned into social media than Mark and I have. <laughs> Give to our charity cause, search.withcanda.co.uk. Thank you. I will put links in the show notes as well. So not even in the search up with candor there'll be a link for the charity thing actually in the podcast description on the podcast app of your choice as well so wherever you're listening to this there'll be a link to donate to break and support us and support them more specifically by just clicking on the link in the show notes on the podcast description as well we very much appreciate your donations we very much appreciate you listening hope you have a lovely week and thank you very much Bye.